Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Nick Schneider. I'm the head of the division for new technologies and health data use. And with me is Professor Alexander Radbruch from the University of Bonn. He will introduce himself later on. He's the chair of neuroradiology in Bonn. So we will have a, a shared session today looking from regulatory perspective as well as medical practice and have a use case on the European health data space and why we actually need health data um, within the European Union. Um, I was immediately asked to give a presentation on a regulator's perspective on the European health data space, which has been just published two days ago. Um, I guess I don't have to go through the legal text because you all received it by Christopher, I guess, yesterday through LinkedIn. Um, but I would also like to address this issue from a European perspective and from a perspective as a citizen physician and a patient. And to start off, actually, I want to bring you back to a case study. Uh, imagine a 12-year-old boy has a bicycle accident with severe internal brain bleeding. The treating doctors expect that that boy will not be able to finish high school or even study, maybe do some manual labor. The parents are worried, don't know what you do. His data of this young boy are being sent to the US to Mayo Clinic for a second opinion. This boy is on treated in Germany, in Karlsruhe. Um, and actually, he came out quite fine. It's medically sound, it's highly ethical, and it's in the very much interest of that young boy. That happened on this exact day, May 5th, 1988, 33 years ago in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I ask you, would it be possible in Munich today? Probably many treating physicians will not dare to share the data, even within our common legal European framework. So my question now is, what could the EU do? And I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves when we're talking about the European health data space. Today, people, goods, capital, and services can easily travel across the Union. But what about data, especially health data? During the German presidency in late 2020, we embarked with the commission on the EHDS trail. In our council conclusions on lessons learned from COVID-19 on health, we pushed, we pushed the European commission to come up with a proposal which has been now tabled two days ago. Innovation needs European health data and health data needs trust. And I think that's going to be the cornerstones of this draft regulation, which we have to negotiate in the coming months and years. At the moment, in many member states, we still need to dare to share. There's a lot of legal uncertainty out there. What about the application of the GDPR? What about member state law? What about state law in Germany? What about sectorial health law? Right now, if as a researcher, especially if as, a, as a medical professional, performing research, like Professor Rathkoch, you need to look at the GDPR. You need to look at the national and state data protection law, which is applicable for your research project. You also need to look at sectorial health law. And then you have to put all that together and analyze if your research project will fly or not. To many researchers, to many medical professionals, that's too much legal uncertainty. So in the end, 
innovators, researchers, health professionals rely on data coming from outside the European Union. We do not have private or public health data sovereignty in the European Union at the moment. Many medtech companies rely on data from China, from the US, from India. In the future, maybe potentially even from Africa, because legal uncertainty is too high within the Union. So I think that the German presidency was well-timed. And we discussed thoroughly with unnumbered member states, with stakeholders, and we set tracks for the European health data space. We built on strong shoulders. The Finnish and Estonian presidencies already built the first cornerstones. With a, with a trio with Portugal and Slovenia, we continued on that trail. And I'm now very happy to see that the French presidency tabled a legal document on the EHDS. Of course, we still have to go through the symbols of it. We still have to thoroughly see if it's applicable in each of the member states. But I think we are on a good route. At, that, at our presidency, we saw with the council conclusions, which we tabled anonymously, by the way, but between all member states, that we need to embark on this journey. We started a joint action towards the European health data space, which includes 22 member states, led by our colleagues from Finland, from FinData and Citra. We also called for a code of conduct for all those areas which are governed by consent, and which are not governed by European or national law. And I think this work has been good and effective. And I think the Commission did a pretty good work in putting together a thorough and a very complex legal text. And I think you all didn't have the time yet to read another two page, 22 pages. I, I, I read them. I think there are still some problems in it. And I think it's going to be something which we need to discuss. But I think it includes one important thing, that we have a common vision that we want to achieve a higher level of health within the union. We have the joint principles, which is trustworthy AI, a commitment to free flow of data and a commitment to European Union competitiveness. And I think European Union competitiveness will be an important issue because we are in a systemic competition with other systems. When it comes to the concrete actions, I think what it builds, it's, it has at least the suggestions on how to build health data infrastructures on primary use and secondary use. It also addresses the issues code of conduct it will be interlinked with the regulatory framework for AI, which is already being debated and discussed. And it also offers the basis to use health data for training and testing purposes for algorithms and AI. I think that's also another important issue. So which were the main challenges in harnessing the power of health data, which the European Union encountered here? And now I'm citing a bit from the commission itself, so it's not my words. They saw individuals have difficulty assessing and controlling their health data. They saw that healthcare professionals have difficulty accessing health data. They saw that providers of digital health services and products face regulatory barriers. They saw that policymakers and regulators cannot easily access health data, something which was extremely visible during the COVID-19 pandemic. And they saw that limited research and innovation takes place on the basis of health data. Also there, we had to learn from other regions. 
throughout the pandemic. I think Israel has been a very, very good example. We, as the German Federal Minister of Health, right now have a joint venture with it, which our partners in Israel, the so-called German Israeli Health Forum on Artificial Intelligence, to bring players from both sides together to learn from each other. I think that's something important which we need to do. But if we could do that easier, even within the union. But for that, we need the regulatory framework. So what is the commission? What is the draft regulation promising? To empower individuals to control their data, to unleash the power of the health data economy, to foster a single market for digital health services and products. Above all, to ensure interoperability and security of health data and a level playing field for manufacturers. In a nutshell, to ensure a consistent and efficient framework for the reuse of health data for research, innovation, policy making, and regulatory activities. That is quite a lot. And I think I can second the Vice President of the Commission two days ago in the press conference in saying that that is a leapfrog, maybe even a revolution when we took, when we look at how the European Union approached health regulation in the past, especially looking at Article 168 of the treaty, where actually the, com the competence for the management of the healthcare system lays in the sole responsibility of the member state. And I think that will be something which in the upcoming months will have to be debated to what extent internal market versus competence for healthcare will actually be leading the debate when it comes to this regulation. The scope is very clear and it has a very clear cross-border notion. I think that's something which we need to address here. It includes rules for electronic health records, rules for mechanisms supporting the secondary use of health data, and it introduces mandatory cross-border infrastructures for primary and secondary use of health data, so-called MyHealth at EU for primary data and health data at EU for secondary health data use. Those will be heavily debated. I'm sure about that. And, when, and as, as we're dealing today, not with primary use of data, but mainly with secondary use of data, I just want to touch upon a, a few issues on secondary data use, which has been addressed by the regulation. It sets a minimum standards of categories which have to be offered and have to be accessible. It also defines prohibited purposes, so purposes for which secondary use will not be allowed. For instance, the use against persons itself, commercial advertising, increasing insurance premiums, and developing dangerous products will be prohibited in secondary health data use. It will set up health data access bodies building a bit on the Data Governance Act. I think that those are important bodies because they will be the gatekeepers for those asking for permission to get to the data. In Germany, we're right now building such a data access body called the Forschungsdatenzentrum Gesundheit at the Bay Farm, in which we are so far building the infrastructure to access claims data from Secretary of Health Insurance, including all people insured in Germany in a social health insurance. So it's not going to be the private insurance bodies that's, that we don't have the competence to do so, but within the public system, we will have access to that data and researchers can access that data also for training of AI. There was also been an implementation of data altruism, something which we in Germany also already did with paragraph 363 
of the social code book five. We will have a data donation scheme where from the electronic health records, if you have one, you could, as of 1st of January next year, donate your data or release your data to the Forschungsdatenzentrum. So it does have a whole list of duties and rights, and I think it actually provides, if it's going to be accepted like this, a legal framework which actually facilitates researchers, innovators, healthcare professionals to have the legal certainty they need. Because it clearly says for what purposes you can access data and for which purposes you can't. But can it deliver on these promises? I think that's going to be a key question. Can pa patients access their data and have power over them? Can citizens really share their data when traveling? On top of patient summaries, e-prescription, medical images, lab results, discharge letters, rare disease information. This is going to be on the table for the member states. And that's a big task to do until 2025. So I think there's something which we need to discuss. Can healthcare professionals use the expertise of, the, of their European Union colleagues? We do have pilots with European reference networks, registries, data access bodies will provide relevant data for research, but also to finding similar patients. If you're looking at personalized medicine, if you're looking at treating rare diseases, mostly, I would say data-wise, even a country like Germany, maybe we are too big to fail, but we're definitely too small to strive. And I think we need to have those European access access to those European data sets. And we need to, if we're talking about federated learning, federated data access, have those data access bodies and be able to compare data from France, from Germany, from Finland, from Denmark. And I think that's something which is going on. We have already a pilot which is going to start hopefully next year to see how we can interlink those data access bodies in health. And the last question, I think that's the one that's going to be most interesting for the audience here, is can innovators, can industry use health data to train, test, evaluate algorithms, especially if they're going to be used in healthcare? And if you ask my personal opinion, and there's no opinion which has been, we didn't have time in two days to really align it from the whole government yet, but why not? It's going to be relevant what kind of data we have. And we're not talking about profiling, data used to train, test, or evaluate algorithms doesn't need to know if the data is from Alex Radbruch or from Nick Schneider. It needs to have well-curated, high-quality data, which doesn't have to be identified. It needs to have the relevant information for training the algorithm. I think that's something which we have to communicate better. So what is ahead of, ahead of us? A lot will depend now on the negotiations in Council and European Parliament. We really see there's a huge debate out there the last two days. If you look on Twitter or LinkedIn, people are already reacting, very positive, very negative. And I think this debate will actually even increase in the upcoming weeks. As I just said, member states and MEPs are right now reviewing the draft regulation and do not have a final position on it. And I think it's also good to start a public debate to discuss this legal text because it has such a high impact on everyone on every citizen, on every patient, on every healthcare professional, on every, any innovator who wants to, wants to have access and needs access to health data. For us, it is important also to use the momentum. After all, the HDS was a cornerstone of our presidency two years ago, and it nicely fits into the plans for our legislative period, which started last year. We do have inst 
we do have very concrete instruments in the coalition treaty which go in line with the HDS. One is the call for a secondary data act, the Gesundheitsdatennutzungsgesetz. One is a registry act, Registergesetz. One is the building of a research data infrastructure, Forschungsdateninfrastruktur, all written in the coalition agreement in the health chapter. And I think that goes hand in hand with what the European Commission just proposed. And I think for us, it's going to be important to review now this text, see what is applicable for us, what we want, and that's there where we need actually to get the position also from the stakeholders. We need to talk to the stakeholders. And then we have to see how we implement that on national level and what actually has to be included in our Gesundheitsdatennutzungsgesetz, in our Secondary Health Data Act law, however it's going to be called. But I think for all of us, especially those using data and needing data, it's important that you explain why you need data, why data access is so important. And we need to know what concrete use cases we have. We need to know about those patients which actually profited from getting access from another country. We need to know about the doctors who got to offer better care because they used algorithms trained in Europe. And we need to say what data is being necessary for what purposes. And I think that's something which is very, really important because the notion out there often is, is an all for all. They have one notion of data. Data is everything. Data is the, the glass patient. It's not. And I think that's something where we have to rely on the, on the safeguards. And I think granting access in a safe environment, how, how it is in, now included in a draft, a safe and secure environment where you only get pseudonymized or de-identified data out of it. That's going to be the future. And I think that's something which we have to press on. Like I said, you have to demonstrate that this, what the commission is offering here is a safe infrastructure for accessing health data for which the benefits are with a citizen, with a health professional, with a researcher, regulators and policymakers, and last but not least, also European industry, which will need to rely on European data. Often when I'm being asked, why do you also address the industry? I say, well, it's very easy. If we have products in the European market, which are being trained and tested on US, Chinese, Indian, African, Latin American data, they might not be applicable to our population. They might not be applicable to our patients and citizens at home. And that's why we need to have those European data sets. That's why we need to have access to European data to have safer, better products on the market. And it's not about opening an internal market for health data, but it's opening an internal market for products which are based on high quality European data. And I think that's something which we have to be very clear in communicating. And I think that's more or less all for me today, because I want to see what my friend Alex is going to say. And just to give you a brief outlook, European health data space, I think it's here to stay. It was something which we called for two years ago and which I'm happy to see now happening. It will take a lot of work to do. For us, it's going to be important to build a national health data space within the European health data space, which can communicate with the European health data space. And the health data lab, our Forschungsdatenzentrum is going to be the first pillar in that on national level. And I'm very much looking forward to now see what Alex has to say and how we can later on discuss 
what actually are the benefits for him as a researcher, physician, and also citizen and patient. Thank you very much.